the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, prayer, it's a private matter, but yet we're also encouraged to pray corporately for the needs that we see around us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. God says, I will never abandon you. And obviously, as we all know, we've all sinned, and he knows our deepest regrets. Yet God loves us, and we will be eternally grateful for him for that. That's why we have worship before service. It's a, it's a little opportunity for us to, to worship and thank him for all that he's done for filling us with his Holy Spirit, for allowing us to one day spend all eternity in heaven with him. But until we get to heaven, we can talk to him on a daily basis. We all have smartphones, right? We all have our link somewhat to social media. We communicate with those people that are around us through numerous mediums like, you know, just calling someone on the phone. We can text them real quick. Uh, we can hook up with them on Facebook. You know, we can tweet them uh, so many different ways. But with God, we don't have to worry about ever bothering him. You ever call someone like, I hope I'm not messing you up right now. We don't have to worry about that with God. We don't have to worry about being connected to the internet. Oh, I only got one bar. It's going in and out. No, we don't have to think about that. We don't have to look at our phone and say, oh, I only got so much battery life. I have to make this phone call a little shorter. You know, we can come to God anytime, any place. Prayer with him is better than talking with your best friend. We can share anything with him and approach him 24-7. He will never, ever get irritated with us. Isn't that cool? You know, in fact, he says to cast all of our cares upon him. That's the big, huge things that we would normally cast to God, but it's also the little things. But when we do something really bad, we can still come to him for help. So even when I feel like a dirtbag and I don't feel like I have any ability of coming before God, he tells us in Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in a time of need. Yes, he will get us out of our mess when we put ourselves in his presence. So what are some of the nuts and bolts of praying here Biblically, that is. What are some of the do's and don'ts? What are some helpful guidelines that we can embrace? Well, Jesus gave us many distinct instructions on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Let me read to you what it says here in Matthew chapter 6. You can follow along with me. Picking up in verse 5, it says, Jesus speaking, and when you pray, it's not talking about someone else. It's not talking about your next door neighbor when they pray. He's talking to us individually. He says, when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen of men. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full right there. Verse 6, but you, and who's the you here? It's the true believer. It's the born-again Christian. He says, but you, when you pray, go into the inner room, and when you have shut the door, Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Wow, there's a lot right there. Now that's going against what many mainline denominations will talk about here. This is what was happening back then. He talked about these religious leaders that would walk around the streets of Jerusalem and and they would stop on some heavy populated street corner and this religious person, he proceed to recite some extravagant prayer, you know, memorize prayer in front of many. And the people would stand and stop and listen to them. And they would think to themselves, what a holy man this is. He's really something. I wish I could be like him one day. And these religious men would soak up all the praise of the people enjoying all the pats on the back. Yet this was all wrong, Jesus said. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do those things that these religious hypocrites would do. I remember when I first met my wife, so this was a long time ago, and uh, we were having a dinner up at her house, and her uncle was there, and we're at the table, and you know, it was time to say grace. It was, uh, it was I think, our first Thanksgiving after we got married. And so uh, uncle was going to say the prayer. And I remember, okay, so we start to pray. And he has this eloquent, extravagant prayer. I mean, it was so good. I just remember sitting there as a believer, just like going, oh my goodness, I can never pray like this man. This man must be so holy and righteous and Oh my goodness, and I I was really just taken back by just how wonderful this prayer. And he was going on, and yes, dear Lord God, and yeah, I mean, just going on and on. So anyway, about a year later, you know, through a series of events, we had to get out of the one apartment we had, and he owned two duplexes, and he wanted to rent us one of the duplexes. So we took him up on it, and so we moved in. And then a few months after we moved in, we noticed that the empty unit across the way, he would show up with some young girl, and at night and then he would leave with her in the morning and is this the same guy is that is that the guy that with the prayer the guy that i thought oh this guy must love god more than anything 
and he's sleeping with women over here that's not his wife. It's like, oh my goodness. God says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't get in front of a bunch of people and try to show off with your extravagant prayers. I think it's just part of our sinful DNA that's inside of, you know, well, us humans. We like to be seen of men. We like to get the praise of people, but God says no to that. He says, do not pray only to be seen of men, but rather go into your own room and pour your heart out to the Lord in secret. That doesn't mean that we cannot come together, of course, for public prayer. And it's like, sure, we can get together. But again, those are prayers for one another and prayers for our church and what have you. But, you know, we see in the scripture where they had public prayer, where Paul and Silas, the believers in Thessalonica, were praying for them. And and Paul encouraged them as as they were praying for them. And when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, uh, he said in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, he says, To this end we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. So Paul started the book of 2 Thessalonians with praying for these people, but he ended it by asking them to pray for him. In 2 Thessalonians 3.1, it says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it was also with you. So yes, prayer, it's a private matter, but yet we're also encouraged to pray corporately for the needs that we see around us like our church here, our need for God to lead us to have an impact here in this city of Los Angeles. You know, the needs that we have here in our body, those who are going through deep trials and hardships, those that are hurt and sick, uh, those who are struggling in their faith, those who have no faith to all the loss that we pray for here in not only Los Angeles, but our country. And we need our country, by the way. We need direction in our country because where the heck are we going? I don't think there's anyone at the helm. It doesn't seem like it. Are we going to continue in this landslide away from God? Or will the American people at some point put their foot down and and stop rebelling against the creator? I mean, how is that going to come about? It's through prayer. But know this, the most important prayer that we could ever pray is this, that there would be a true repentance amongst God's people. You know, that we would wake up out of this current slumber that so many are in and allow the Spirit of God to truly work in and through us to reach out to this sick and dying world and and make disciples, to see people's lives truly get turned around and, and get grounded in a real faith. And it's, and it's amazing how this can happen just so naturally, just in our everyday walk, as we, the body of Christ, can affect people's lives that are around us. So after our services, I said to my wife, hey, do you want to go up here to El Pollo Loco to get lunch? She's like, no. <laughs> she goes, but I know this cool little restaurant over on Pico. Do you want to go over there? I'm like, sure. You know, the waiter came over to, to give the check. You know, I don't know why they don't just give you free food. But anyway, so uh, as I was pulling the credit card out, I also pulled out a card for Core Church. And I said, hey, listen here, young man. 
I want you to know that there's a God in heaven that loves you. And I'd like to invite you to our church. He goes, man, thank you so much. And so we got to share with him and we talked with him a little bit. And then, you know, how much more time did it cost us? A couple minutes, like whatever. So then we got up and we got done with him and we walked out and we're walking on the sidewalk and there was an older gentleman there. And he had made a motion or something, kind of looked up at us, and and we just stopped, and we just started talking. Then I noticed he's reading a book, and it says Jesus on the top. And, you know, and I'm thinking, like, what is this guy reading here? So he's talking to us just like small talk, and, and I'm looking, trying to figure out what the heck is he reading. And so come to find out, you know, he is a man that has done reading of thousands of books in his life about the origin of Jesus and all of these different secular ideas of who Jesus was. Now, this guy, I would say, is probably in his 80s and maybe not in the best health. So I'm just looking at him. I'm like, you know, and he's talking about, well, this philosopher said this about Jesus and this philosopher said that about Jesus. And I said, but what do you say about Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus was? And he's like, well, you know, and he quotes this famous philosopher, and I mean, all these names, but I kept bringing it back. What about you? And and then while he'd be talking about something, so what I'm thinking, I'm going to say this next to him. Then my wife would jump in and say what I was going to say. Like, I was going to say that. <laughs> it's like, so my wife is going, yes, but what about you? And my wife's like, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to make a choice. Then he'd start quoting some other philosophers. So then he says, well, so-and-so that graduated from Harvard and this and that. And he says, he was a Jew who became a Messianic Jew and received Jesus as a savior. And I'm like going, okay, well, we're going in the right direction here, you know? And then he gives all these things that he said. And then a decade later, he walked away from it and he went back to Judaism and renounced Jesus. And he goes, and he's a super intelligent man. What do you think about that? I go, well, let me tell you what the apostle Paul would say to him. Because Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee, the highest leading sect of religion of the day. And he was trained by Gamaliel, who was the most noted rabbi of that time. And he came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, just like the man that you talked about. And do you know what he would say to that man? He would say, like what he said in Romans chapter 1, you have professed yourself to be wise, but you have become a fool. How in the world could you know the creator of the universe in bodily form and then turn around and walk away from him? I go, I suggest to you that that man never knew Christ because if he would have known Christ, he would have never turned away and walked away from it. And I brought it back to him. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he was to gain the whole world but forfeit or lose his own soul? And then he went back to where I have read thousands of books. And my wife jumped in and said, but what is your choice about Jesus? And we just, we nailed him down like right here, right now, you could give Jesus Christ, your heart. He would come in. He would forgive you of your sin. I said, the Bible says that one day you're going to die. And I mean, this man was very old. I go, and then you will have no more choice. The choice has to be made now. We brought it to him maybe four times. Came around this way. Came around that way. Came under the table. We were over the table. (laughs) It's like, and gave him like four opportunities to give his life to Christ. He turned all four of them down. 
We were very gracious to him, thanked him for having the conversation. We talked to him for probably a half hour. So me and my wife walked away. And so we're, we had parked about a block down the street. And so we walked and I looked at my wife. I said, that could very well possibly be his last opportunity. Who knows how many times in life, as he has told me that he has read thousands of books about Jesus. And it's like, how many times has God opened the gate to him and he did not walk through? And so we got to right before our car and we stopped and we prayed for him. And we just prayed, oh God, do not let the sun go down on this man today. Let your Holy Spirit, as it says in Isaiah, that your word goes out and doesn't come back void. You know, Lord, please don't let this man go into eternity without knowing you. Yes, many people, you know, they need to be grounded in a real relationship with God. And how does that happen? It happens through people like you and me that can be a voice of reason to someone who has listened to so much noise out there that they got lost in it. Yes, we should be inviting people to church so that they can be exposed to the teaching of the Word of God. For that's when their hearts will be touched. That's when it's possible for their minds to be changed and their lives to be changed. And it all begins with what? Prayer. That's why we stopped and we prayed for that man. Like God, change his heart. Maybe we need to have prayers like that. Like God, change my family. God, change my friends. Lord, change the things that are around me. Change my world. And most importantly, we could pray, oh God, change me. Remember, the early church was founded on prayer. Acts 2.42 says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Yet here in Matthew 6, Jesus gives to us the true meaning of prayer and its true purpose. It's not to appear holier than others, trying to be seen of men. Jesus instructs us in verse 7 that we are not to use meaningless repetition, thinking that the more we repeat something, somehow the more God's going to hear it. This is what the heathen does. That's why he says the Gentiles do that. Not talking about just non-Jews. We're Christians. We've been grafted into his, to his fold. But he's talking about these are what heathens do. Those in different cults, maximizing meaningless words and chants. They will use a mixture of words, sounds, grunts, and groans over and over again. We see this, you know, in Hindus and Muslims, and we even see it in mainline denominations where they will take what we call the Lord's Prayer, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and they'll say that multiple times as if that has some magical thing to do here. It it, it does not. So we're going to look at that prayer, the very prayer that Jesus gave us as an example of how to pray. And there's churches that have turned it into a meaningless repetition that he just said, don't have meaningless repetition. So it's crazy, but it is true. So know this, reciting something many times over like a programmed robot, that doesn't impress God. 
Not in the least bit. And it certainly doesn't score us any brownie points in heaven. Jesus points out that our Father already knows our needs before we pray. Yet, He still wants to hear from us. That's why He encourages us to pray. God wants us to bring our needs to Him. In fact, we are called to pray without ceasing at one point. That just means that we should be in and out of prayer on a daily basis. We're going to look at what is known again as the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus recited this twice, once here in Matthew 6 and another time in Luke 11. But in reality, this is not the Lord's Prayer, as we would call it. You're thinking, oh, no. Pastor, you're going to blaspheme here. It's the Lord's Prayer. Everyone knows it as the Lord's Prayer. It is not the Lord's Prayer. But rather, it is the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer could be found in John 17. John chapter 17 is where Jesus is praying for us. He is praying for us. That is the Lord's Prayer. That's where Jesus prayed for you and me. But this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, well, it was given to us by Jesus as a prayer, are you ready, of instruction. Like, I'm going to show you how to pray. These are the elements that should be included in your prayer. It's the type of content that should be in all of our prayers. So he's given us an example of a prayer. It was Ian Bounds that said this about prayer, quote, Prayer reaches up to heaven and brings heaven down to earth. Prayer has its hands, in its hands, a double blessing. It rewards him who prays and blesses him who is prayed for. Amen to that, end quote. Ian Bounds went on to say this, quote, Prayer is the divinely appointed means by which man comes into direct connection with God. Yes, there are many general suggestions that we can make about prayer, like prayer should be direct. Again, not using senseless and meaningless repetitions. Uh, Prayer should be reverent. We have to always remember that God, well, he's God. He's the creator of all things seen and unseen. Prayer should be unselfish. If we're always praying for ourselves and not for those who are lost and broken around us, something's wrong. So instead of listening to how others will instruct us to pray, let us consider how Jesus has instructed and encouraged us to pray. This is his format on how to pray. First, we'll look at exaltation as we read here together, Matthew chapter 6. Picking up in verse 9, it says, Pray then in this way. See, this is a type of prayer, not this prayer, but like this. He says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So there it is. There is the example of a prayer. So first of all, we must understand The reason that Jesus gave the disciples this model for prayer was because one day 
they were going to have to really need it. Because right here, when he's telling them about this, for the most part, you never see the disciples pray. Yet Jesus was always going up to the mountain to pray, but the disciples were only asked a a few times by Jesus to pray. One of those times was in the Garden of Gethsemane, yet all the disciples did there was take another nap. Jesus had to go to them multiple times. Can't you pray with me here? And they kept dozing off. They were sleepy bears. But know this, while Jesus was walking with them, there really wasn't a need to pray. Why? Because Jesus is God in the flesh. What are you, you going to pray for? You got God walking with you right there. Isaiah seven fourteen remember, says that he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God was right there with him. What are you praying for? But once Jesus did die on the cross for our sin, was buried and rose again from the dead, he did what? He returned to heaven. And the disciples were in the same boat as we are now. They had to communicate with God through prayer. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla, one word, dot org. As well as writing to our P.O. Box, 34789 Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.